0: I'm sure this is not what you expected when you jumped on a podcast is going through five window refreshes, restarting the computer, changing from your laptop to your phone. But this is what we do to make it work. So it's going to work. Oh,
1: honestly... That's the funny thing is, though, that is what I would expect because I work on podcasts and shit always goes wrong. So, you know, we're here.
0: (laughs) What would you say is the most nerve wracking thing about working either with your guests, working on a podcast, talking about a podcast? Like what just makes you feel the most antsy?
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, I have to book a lot of high profile guests for one of the podcasts that I do. And we rely on an outside studio. And if things go wrong with that studio, and then it falls back on us, just working with all of the people that we're booking, it's very nerve wracking. Because Mm. yeah, if things go wrong, then there's a cascade of like rescheduling and the stakes are high with some of the guests. So it can get crazy.
0: And on a very personal, unbiased note, would you say my booking situation is much more lax than how many people would because I'm like DM, hey, you are you available for this day? We should talk about this. Very loose. Yes,
1: this is this is the best. This is awesome. I feel like it should always be that way, but you know, sometimes I work on the like podcast for the guy from Nuds Declassified, and so we oh, have nice. like a
0: all- like main kid?
1: Yeah, Devin, yeah.
0: Oh, I did not know that.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, so I book like all of his guests and some of them are like huge musicians or like other child actors and so it can it can be weird. It's not as easy as just a DM. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't you wish it just could be? I mean, I heard I brought on yes. uh Jay Logan Austin who's a a an independent filmmaker. Um, hosted the, the it calf podcast. And he was talking about how IMDB pro is massive, like to book people or to just make it a little bit smoother. I'm not sure if you guys use that or if your, maybe your is already just like recognized enough to have those connections.
1: That's a really good tip. We, we've heard that before too. We need to start doing that because I've heard you can get a lot of contact information from there. So this is my sign that I'm going to start using that. I think it would be helpful.
0: I think it's my sign too. Well, I'm going to let yeah. you introduce yourself. I'll do a tiny bit just because I did have you on the other podcast. We had a great conversation. We ranked Timothy Chalamet projects, which by the way, I have now seen Call Me By Your Name since that time. I did not see it at Damn. the time that we talked. Um that movie's beautiful. Timothy and Armie Hammer, great chemistry, beautiful music, great color schemes. It was a it was a really good movie that I don't even know if I'll ever revisit. Like it's one of those that yeah. was so well made that I'm like, "Cool." I think I'm good. That's heavy enough. That's raw enough. Yep. I think I'm, I'm exactly. Good to, I don't want to go
1: back there. Did you? How did you feel the end scene? I like kind of told you about.
0: What, the, I loved the emotion. it. emotion. I loved yeah, it. Me too. I just watched. Are you a horror fan at all?
1: Yes. Yes. I'm named after Sam Raimi. I
0: oh, that's right. That's fan. right. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah. Rich. Cool. Cool tidbit for it. You said it so casually. Yeah. Raimi was named after Spider-Man writer director Evil Sam Dead. Raimi. Evil Dead. Um, Doctor yes. Strange, Multiverse of Madness, but I just watched Pearl, so the sequel, or the prequel, I guess, to X, yes. and mm-hmm. at the very end, I don't know if you, did you see this movie? Yeah. So the very end, where they just do the end credits, and it's her face just like slowly. It's similar. It, it's so similar, yeah. and it makes you yeah. feel similar, where you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm unnerved, it's very antsy, but this is impressive, I don't know how I feel, mm-hmm. and I like those endings. I think it's a great way Me to too. conclude a film. So yeah, tell me about you. Like what's your relationship to movies? You are big into traveling. I know that's currently a side situation, kind of like a secondary career, but I, do you want to make it a full-time career? Is that mainly, you like the balance that you're in?
1: I like the balance I'm in. Yeah. My relation to film and just everything media is like, that's what I, well, I don't work in film. That would be cool. But I just love film and I work in entertainment in mostly in podcasts and web series development right now and producing those. So I've, I'm kind of on the outskirts of the film industry, but I've always just been really into it. Um, grew up like wanting to be a film director and now I direct web series content, which is somewhat similar, but not quite. Um, but yeah, I just, I love it. I love talking about it. So I love, I love being here and being able to talk about it because usually I do have to talk about travel
0: all the time. (laughs) Have you thought about doing a podcast yourself about travel?
1: I have. I was going to maybe start one soon, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, I have some ideas for it. It's. I just know that my work would be like you're doing too much. <laughs> so, oh, I we'll see.
0: Be. I mean, yeah, it sounds like mm-hmm. just just looking at social media. It seems like you're already balancing maybe like ten different scenarios and going back and forth, and you know, delving yes. into the film and then travel and everything in between. So. I think it's really yes. cool. Um, do, would you say you have a favorite movie? Is that like too broad of a question to ask?
1: Okay, so because people always ask me, do you have a favorite country? I feel like it's a similar question because it's also a similar answer for me. It really depends on like the mood that I'm in, okay. and like countries, I think there are, there are certain films that you can revisit over and over again, and to me that makes them a, one type of favorite. But then there's also places and films that you only want to watch once or you only want to visit once because it gave you so much and you don't need to go back. We were just talking about that with Call Me By Your Name. And so I really do feel like it's similar. And if I, you know, if I think about movies that I could watch over and over and over again, like for me, it's just, it's the Harry Potter franchise. I have seen those five million trillion times. So like those are a favorite in a way. But then I also come back to like, what are some really beautiful films that have, like, moved me super deeply that maybe are too, too raw of emotions that I felt that I don't want to revisit again? But I would still consider some of those, like, favorite films. Um, one that comes to mind is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I, like, absolutely loved that film, but I can't watch it again. It was, like, it was too heavy, you know? Too but heavy. Loved yeah. everything about it. Yeah.
0: Okay, that's fair. And do you, is the country question still loaded? Like, do you have one? I'm now curious because you're into travel. What's your favorite country you visited?
1: Yeah, so my favorite, a place that I could revisit time and time again, is probably Iceland because it's so naturally beautiful and there's always so much more to see. And I love like road trips and it's the perfect road tripping country. Everyone there is so nice. I love it. Um, But I also really loved Madagascar. But I would never go back there. It was just too crazy to get to. It was such a like deep, profound experience going there that I just wouldn't go back. So it's you know it's kind of does tight. it
0: match the movie in the slightest? You know when I watch no. that animated movie, it <laughs> makes me want to go to Madagascar just for what they portrayed. It's, but I imagine it's nowhere near the same. No,
1: they definitely have beautiful tropical beaches there, but like also there's 20 million people there, and it's one of the poorest countries in the you world. Say 20 which is million? like. Yeah, Oh
0: my would God. you never know that,
1: right? Oh you think of God. it as like a remote, deserted island. It is not. It is a very underdeveloped, like very, you know, poverty-stricken country. And we, I went there like to volunteer and stuff. So it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. But it was not easy to travel to or around. So
0: Okay, all right. So mm-hmm. that makes it very interesting because you can kind of compare country to movie to... And I like the way you said it. There are movies that you can revisit, which adds mm-hmm. a a best quality to it, if you want to say. But then there are movies that are just so they're they're so, arti- you know, well-made, I guess, articulated in a certain way that you're like, "Oh my god, that movie was so great." Even if you don't revisit it a million times like you would Harry Potter. Uh, yes. are you are you smash or pass Harry Potter TV series by Warner Brothers?
1: Oof. Man, it's it's like <laughs> I'm so I'm on the spot. Am I going to watch it A 100%? Am yep. I going to enjoy it? I don't know. And it depends on like how they do it. I'm excited because I do want to see elements of the books that were not able to make it into the films. So I'm curious, but my hopes after like, after the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones, I just, I don't know. I hope HBO does something good with it and it more falls like where their new recent series have been, which have been good so far. Yeah. So I don't know.
0: I think that they have one leg up on Game of Thrones, and that is that they have a complete series. So they at least have the book concluded True. from start to finish, which, you know, I give I give the creators of Game of Thrones a lot of credit because I don't think they I had even, nothing to work. With. I couldn't conceive something from that story <laughs> no. and conclude everybody. I think there are like 15 characters we needed to conclude. And they did it. What, did it make people happy? Absolutely not. But they did it. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. they finished the series. So
1: That's actually a very great perspective. That's very true. <laughs> and we're never going to get the real ending because why would he? It's over now, you know?
0: I imagine this is how people felt, maybe on a lesser scale, but when they maybe grew super attached to uh, Christian Bale as Batman and then they see Robert Pattinson yeah. playing Batman or Ben Affleck, they're probably like, oh, why are you doing this? But it's like, There's a lot of story to tell, you know, there's a lot of different perspectives. Yeah, it's reimagined. It's reimagined. Yeah. It's a great way of putting Mm it. What do you, we're going to dive into like kind of articulate, you know, filmmakers and whatnot, but last question before we dive in, what do you look for most? Like when you go to a movie, are you like, okay, I'm here because I want to see the film style. I'm here because I want to see the acting. I want like a blown away performance. I want to cry. Like I want to be, you know, this plot twist. What are you going to a movie looking for immediately?
1: I think, I mean, aside from all of those things, right, like that's the easy answer, but I think I'm always really looking for an escape. Like I want to be convinced. And so I think that all of those things could convince me that I'm like in the story, right? And obviously if you have all of them together, that's going to be the ultimate like escape. Like I'm in that world. I'm, I believe the characters. When I, when it comes down to it, I feel like acting is probably like The most thing that I need and look for because I want to, yeah, I want to feel something. And if I can believe the story that's happening, then that's going to achieve that result.
0: Nice. I like that. And I like the convincing aspect because it truly is an escape. Like, I think people read Mm -hmm. books to escape. I think people go to movies to escape. I think people even go to restaurants to escape. I think people just want to escape this daily routine of maybe it's work or maybe it's school or maybe it's parenting or whatever the case may Mm -hmm. be and movies are definitely one of those. So if you don't feel the escapism, I think you actually feel even more anxious cuz you're like I I'm wasting, you know, 2 hours of my life. Not gonna yeah. lie, I kind of felt that a little bit with Elemental. I was like, "Man, like I not that I'm wasting time, but I just feel like I could be gaining more from a different You didn't project. get enough. I didn't yeah, get enough. Yeah, you
1: didn't get from. Yeah, and that's another thing too is like you're kind of looking for like a new perspective almost too. It also yeah. is similar to travel. Like you want a new perspective. And if a movie you feel like, well, oh, I've seen this story before or like, mm, okay, like that could have been better. It just isn't as, it's not as good of an experience. Like you're kind of feel like, okay, well, I was
0: yeah. lame. <laughs> a little, little, little just underwhelming, you know, just kind mm-hmm. of a man, a man like M E H. That's the definition of that feeling. So yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite actor currently? I know we we've talked a lot about Timothy. Is he your favorite or do you have somebody else that you gravitate toward? Um, I
1: think like, People that I always want to see their films are... I think you might have said this is your favorite. Margot Robbie. I will watch anything that she does. Margot's I love great. Her. She's incredible. Um, also, Saoirse Ronan. She's my go-to girl. I love her and everything. Um, and, like, it doesn't even matter what she does. I want to see it. So those would be, like... Yeah, those are two of my current faves. Obviously, I'll watch anything Timmy Timmy does too. What you have, about
0: you? Was you, you have this Greta Gerwig vibe? Do you like Greta Gerwig? Do you watch her movies a lot? Like, I just feel like Saoirse, Timothy Chalamet, and then right. Barbie coming out with Margot Robbie. Like, I'm like, man, I didn't. Maybe you, Greta didn't Gerwig is your that. filmmaker. You know?
1: Yeah, I actually really want to see. I know she didn't make Frances Ha. She didn't make that. She just starred in it, right? But I haven't seen that. I've never really seen her acting but I do like the movies that she directs so far she did
0: co-write it I believe with Noah Baumbach so she is the the lead but she did write it and it's it's a good like coming of age story which I think unbiased that's also my vibe yeah I also (laughs) I, I just watched mid 90s two days ago and I'd never seen that movie from Jonah Hill and it's such an authentic pure form of art like it seems so simple at the surface but you watch it and it hits an emotion as a child in you they're like, wow. And I think Francis Ha does that from like the, mm-hmm. the roommate, college, trying to live your life as an adult, transition. It it just hits those marks. So yeah, I think my I mean favorite filmmaker is Christopher Nolan. I am mm-hmm. like drooling over Oppenheimer. And I'm gonna you try to go wait. in I'm trying to go <laughs> in level expectations, but mm-hmm. I just I don't know. I know I know how much he just enjoys the craft. I'm sure everybody on this planet has seen, you know, the video uh, I think his name's Guy with a movie camera. He was able to like yes. go behind the scenes with Christopher Nolan and so just hearing cool. why he chose 70mm film and how he said this is the closest film that represents what we see in our eyes. So like as a human being if you're so looking crazy. at this film, this is why I use it and that means a lot to me because he's not just trying to make money, he's trying to per- perfect a craft. So current actor though, that's my favorite Oh, Jodie Comer is a female actor I want to see more of. Love her. Yeah, mm-hmm. so she was in Free Guy, Last Duel, loved her in Last mm-hmm. Duel. I was blown away by her performance. But I think I, I got to hold on, like Christian Bale is losing me, but I I still love him so much. And I want to see He's more He's super of
1: him. talented. Yeah. yeah, I want to see more of him too. He needs like another... He needs another film where it's like all focused on him. I yes. feel like recently he's kind of been like the ancillary characters and I haven't seen him in a lead role in a while.
0: I agree. I think that's a great way yeah. of putting it. And maybe he's like, I don't know, getting ahead of the curve and he's like, well, I'm not a lead actor anymore, which I still think he is, but I, I hope yeah. he doesn't feel that way. But we'll see. We'll see. So we're going to touch a lot today. We're going to touch on Wes Anderson. I know that he has his film coming out. By the time this releases, the film will be out, Asteroid City. He's also releasing another film this year, and I believe it's on Netflix. Uh, I would have to find the name of that one. But we're going to talk Wes Anderson. We're going to talk about the cinematography, because, of course, if you talk Wes Anderson, you have to talk about cinematography. And then we're going to touch on uh, critic scores versus audience scores, because I think the whole IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, what makes a movie good, what are people looking for? That's a very interesting concept, but before we get into it, I always share movie news. This is in line, so this podcast is tied to film update time, and with film update time, I share movie news. That's kind of the whole the whole reason why I make social content, and while I'm sharing this, I know I'm putting you on the spot because I did not ask you to prepare this beforehand, <laughs> but if there's even the slightest maybe to you, it might be the simplest travel tip that you want to share after, um, that would be really cool to include. So Yeah, let's my, do it. My movie news, uh, so this comes from uh, Kai Bird, who is the co-author of the 2005 book titled um, American Prometheus, The Triumph and Tragedy of J. Robert Oppenheimer. This is the book that, that Christopher Nolan based his story off of, and he saw the movie. The author saw the movie just barely, and he shared his thoughts. So he says, quote, I am, at the moment, stunned and emotionally recovering from having seen it. I think it is going to be a stunning artistic achievement, and I have hopes it will actually stimulate a national and even global conversation about the issues that Oppenheimer was desperate to speak out about—about about how to live in the atomic age, how to live with the bomb, and about McCarthyism and what it means to be a patriot and what is the role for a scientist in a society drenched with technology and science to speak out about public issues. So,
1: whoa, I have high hopes now. <laughs>
0: know, I'm like the author of the book that. He used as inspiration as saying, I'm stunned, I'm emotionally recovering. I'm like, Okay, I'm sorry, but you're you're making my expectation levels too high right now. I need to go in neutral. I, know. I need somebody me to just too. tell me this movie sucks so I could just say, Okay, cool, I'm gonna go into it with medium expectations. I don't know. But. <laughs>
1: Does that happen to you where it's like, if you go in with low expectations, you're like, Hey, wait, actually, that was kind of good. Like that happens to
0: me a lot. Oh, all the time, all the time. And I, I will say, cause we'll touch on this a little bit further in that conversation with audience scores versus critic scores. But I, I do think whether you want to avoid a rating or you want to avoid, like you hear a review or you see the rotten tomato score that's still going to be implanted in your mind if you see that score. So even if yeah. you're like, well, I'm going to go into open-minded, in the back of your head, you're like, well, it has a 59% on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. So like, I still have to like take that in consideration. But
1: Yeah, I know. I've tried really hard to not look at the scores now because it totally biases me. And, or sometimes oh, yeah. I won't even watch a movie. I'm like, oh, it only got 55. It's like, I just got to see it for myself.
0: I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Any uh, spontaneous travel tips I actually reached out to Ramey, this is funny, I reached out to you about going to LA from Utah last minute, and it was awesome, because you just flooded, you are like, okay, try this, what about (laughs) this, hey, have you used your points on this, it was really cool, because I I saw you in your element, so any travel tip that you think would be most applicable, maybe right now?
1: Yes, actually. So I was thinking about how to relate this to movies maybe. And I, we were talking a little bit about Call Me By Your Name earlier, which made me think, you know, in that movie, they're staying in this beautiful Italian villa, right? And so you look at that and you might think that would be so expensive to rent an Italian villa in Tuscany or wherever they were. Um, but I have this unique tip that I've done in my early travel days when I was super broke um, to stay in places like that completely free. And I've talked about this on my social pages, but I don't know if you've seen this tip or not, but there's this website called Trusted House Sitters where you can literally stay in someone's house, apartment, whatever it is. There's places all over the world in exchange for just watching their pets. And usually it's oh like my a cat. Yes. Yeah. And it, so I did that in Italy, literally had a call me by your name summer where I stayed in this villa, watched two cats. It was so easy, and it was completely free accommodation. And usually, accommodation next to flight is like the biggest travel expense. So, if you're looking to go somewhere for like you know two weeks and you want to pay zero dollars, check out Trusted House Sitters. TrustedHouseSitters um, dot awesome. Yes. Yep.
0: Pretty easy setup. Create an account. Do they have to do some like checkup on you? I don't. I don't they know that do. process. But is it pretty they simple? Do.
1: It's pretty simple. There is like a background check, of course. And usually when you apply with a host or, you know, whatever their house is, they will interview you. So like, obviously they don't want a random weirdo staying in their house. So there's like a little bit of a process, but because it can save you thousands of dollars, it is completely worth it. And it also kind of reminds me of like the holiday where Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz swap homes. Um, There's a website for that too called Live Kindred, where you can actually switch homes with people if you want that type of vibe. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know how I'd feel if somebody was like... I guess if I had an Airbnb type of a <laughs> yeah. home. Yeah. Can you do it with apartments? I don't know if that's like a thing. Yeah. Or, okay. You can.
1: Right. I've, I've considered doing it like, you know, if someone from Paris wants to come live in LA for a little bit and I can go there, like, you know, Well, I, you I'm are in a good
0: spot. You're in a good spot. See, Utah is different. I feel like during the winter, people would say, yeah, yeah. maybe that's a spot worth coming to. But I don't think during the summer there's going to be much time, whereas LA... <laughs> I was just right. in that boat, you know, I was like, okay, I need to find somewhere to stay super quick, mm-hmm. you know, I'll be there, I'll take care of whatever I need to, so com. that is really yep. cool, I had never heard of this, I've never even, I never thought that was even a thing, so, there you go, really cool, there's Thank my little, you.
1: there's, I wanted to give one that's not so obvious, because I could always say, like, if you want to find a cheap flight, do this, and it's like, you know, so I gave a little deeper travel tip there you
0: got a little niche on us which i like you know? Yeah, we, we yeah. were talking about elemental we had some technical difficulties but we were talking about elemental and elemental's niche to the children you know which is totally fine yep. but sometimes sometimes you need one or the one or the other so wes anderson this is going to be an interesting topic because wes anderson is a very interesting filmmaker did you get the chance to see asteroid city you had mentioned that you were going to see it before we recorded
1: I have not. My okay. friend went without me, and she told me her thoughts, which is annoying because now I have
0: preconceived You have it. It's in the back of your head, right? Okay. Yeah. So let me paint a picture. I am the standard moviegoer. I like Marvel. I like DC. I like Harry Potter. I like Lord of the Rings. You know, I, I like going to the movies for a cinematic experience. How are you going to sell me on going to see a Wes Anderson film knowing who Wes Anderson is? Like, what, what would you sell me on? <laughs>
1: Okay. This is interesting because my friend who went is that typical moviegoer and oh. she said her thoughts were kind of meh on it, right? Okay. And so I think what I would have told her or the average moviegoer who's looking for that kind of like, it is kind of, they're looking for a blockbustery type of experience. Yes. I would need them to reframe their mindset and have them know that that's not what you're going for. You're going to appreciate a piece of art and the story might not be so obvious. You might have to think a little bit more. Um but you should go into it looking for interesting visuals, interesting character studies. Like go into it with the mindset that is like this is not your typical film and it's not going to be laid out for you in a beautiful fashion. It's going to like require some extra thought.
0: And I like that. I like the kind of the attentiveness to this because so many movies, you can truly Mm -hmm. go and not like be attentive. I know that sounds weird going to a movie and not paying attention, but I think that's the case. You know, many Disney movies, Little Mermaid's a great example. You can go and thoroughly just kind of enjoy your experience without worrying too much because there's not a lot of risk. There's not a lot of, Mm -hmm. hey, you have to know this in order to understand this piece. It's very much give and take there. It's there for you. It's laid out on a platter. Whereas Wes Anderson, I think to your to your thought, you know, going in with the right mindset, this is going to be an artistic film. The framing is going to be completely different. You're not going to be getting these super cinematic shots. They're going to be artistic shots. They're going to be stagnant. They're going to be mm-hmm. cool angles, really unique. I will say, there's a question or maybe a thought that's that's lingering in my head, and I don't know if I if I feel this way, but it's I have to admit that it's it's you know brewing. Is Wes Anderson turning? More into like, what's the word I'm looking for? Less of a filmmaker and a storyteller and more of like an artist trying to show like like kind of a, a museum of an experience in a two-hour project. Because it, it feels that way a little bit. Like French Dispatch, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed. That's what I was going to say. It, it's yeah. very much like that unless like Fantastic Mr. Fox or Grand Budapest mm-hmm. Hotel. It's very much kind of a museum of an experience but what do you think like do you think he's still an incredible storyteller or what what do you think
1: yeah that okay what you just said about fantastic mr fox and grand budapest i feel like both of those films have more of a cohesive plot and like yes. a, a very clear climax and so those ones is what i would recommend to like the average movie goer if you want to start getting into wes anderson but then i think about some of his other films i mean Even like, well, Moonrise Kingdom also kind of more has a plot to follow, but French Dispatch is kind of just like slice of life almost. It reminds me of like, you're just kind of peering in on something that may not have a resolution. It's probably not going to be tied up neatly for you to be like, okay, that makes sense. It's just like you're, yeah, you're viewing something like you would at a museum. I love that analogy. And so I'm wondering if Asteroid City is going to be like that.
0: Yeah, what can we expect? You know, I don't know... I mean, this it almost like feels synonymous to. Uh, and hear me out, Oppenheimer, where they have this city that they kind of builds, and there's apparently some sort of alien life form that's going to be visiting, or has visited, or has lived there. I don't know the context, but in my mind, it seems very, it, it, it's very Wes Anderson like. Even the trailer, and yeah. I saw a couple reviews. I'm not trying to dive in too deep because, once again, I don't like going in with kind of you this know. prejudgmental thought. But they're talking about how this is the most Wes Anderson Wes Anderson has ever been. And that, to me, I don't even know how to take that out of context. Yeah, what does that but mean? it's like, okay, does that mean he's just the most artistic, the most, like, m- removed from storytelling and more just framing and making it beautiful? I don't know, because he doesn't seem pretentious to me. Like, whenever I mm-hmm. hear him speak, or if, like, I saw him get up at Cannes, and he was just very much like... I'm like very humbled, and I'm I'm kind of you know my face is red because I'm a little embarrassed, but I'm also. He grateful. seems like a
1: quirky dude. Like yes. he just seems like yes. he's quirky, and he wants to make what he thinks is cool. And like, I don't really think he care. I don't know. That it's easy to say that, but I I agree. I think he has like a humble vibe to him it's not like i just need to be the most artsy filmmaker in hollywood cuz i don't i don't get that vibe i just no. think he likes to make weird stuff
0: <laughs> i agree do you have a is there one that pops out where you're like i can revisit this one this one's great i i love this west anderson project
1: um one of my favorites is actually rushmore which is probably the least west anderson Never seen of it. them all <gasps> you have to see it okay so it's rushmore. like totally totally not his original style i think it's the second film he ever made Came out in the late '90s, I think. Um, but I love that film, and okay. I I'm a sucker for Moonrise Kingdom. I think it's so so sweet and cute, and I love the visuals there. So those are probably my two favorites, and of course, Grand Budapest. I love.
0: I love. Of that course, movie. Grand Budapest is mine, and that was actually my mm-hmm. first introduction to um, Wes Anderson. And I just mm-hmm. was I was blown away. And at that time, I wasn't as invested. I love film, but I wasn't mm-hmm. as invested as I am now. And I was just blown away. I was like, you can make films like this? Like this exists. Yeah. Like this type of storytelling is around. That's yeah. what I like about Wes Anderson is he proves that you can do things different. You don't mm-hmm. need to do things a certain way. And the one thing that, that also clicks in my mind is similar to Christopher Nolan, where he can bring anybody. People are just they're they're waiting to be invited to come to his set. Wes mm-hmm. Anderson has that same thing. He, he does has the greatest casts and they're in the smallest roles. Timothy Chalamet and Francis McDormand in French Dispatch is one of the best like one two punches I've ever seen in a film. But I they're love in that. Such small roles. So I mean, what what makes Wes Anderson so popular but not financially successful with his films? Because that's what's fascinating to me.
1: I think that especially because, like you said, he, he can get pretty much any big actor. I think they're kind of looking to do something different. And I think for them, it's fun to not be in a normal blockbuster hit. And they want to express themselves more artistically and see what his weird, unique vision is and like roll with it. You know, like if I were an actor, I would love to just be on set with him and see what his artistic vision was like. So I think they're all just down to do that.
0: That's a great way. And I like that you said they probably want to do something different than what they're normally Mm -hmm. doing. I listened to a podcast with Edward Norton and he was being interviewed and he's in almost every Wes Anderson film and he brought up Wes Anderson. He said, hey, the reason why I like Wes and he's a, if you don't know Edward Norton, he's a very strong headed actor. He's very much like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I see the creative route that we're going down. Uh, Infamously, he was removed as the Hulk from the MCU. He originally played the Hulk. And then he kind of had his own direction of creative thoughts, but he said that with Wes Anderson, he said Wes has such a concrete vision that he does not, he does not care. Like Edward Norton does not care what is asked of him because he knows that this is what is fully envisioned. It's not a, Hey, we need to piece this together. We need to see how this is. We need to test out the energy. He says, no. This is how it is. This is how it's going to be. This is the way it's framing. This is what you need to pick up. Here's this slight thing in the background. Everything is precision. And that's just respectable. You know, to take any actor like mm-hmm. Tom Hanks, who's in this movie, Scarlett Johansson, Margot Robbie, Steve Carell, Brian Cranston, so many incredible names. And to have them kind of succumb to your vision and saying, this is how it's going to be, that's going to be tough. So I give them a lot of credit. Yeah. Um, Is he missing anything? Is there anything that Wes needs to start doing for his films to be a little bit better?
1: Hmm. Well, it's it's, so is he actually like not considered to be super financially successful? I mean, obviously, he's probably doing fine, but like his films aren't blockbuster weekend hits is what you are saying
0: yeah so i know that he doesn't get a good like yeah so to your point he's not released in a massive amount of theaters and he doesn't get a bunch of box office successes but once again he's kind of like paul thomas anderson who did there will be blood magnolia Mm -hmm. um punch drunk love so boogie nights where they don't get a lot of financial success but they get a lot of acclimated success so he's always Wes Anderson is always going to be nominated for Mm -hmm. awards but he's just not going to make his movies aren't going to make a lot of money so I guess it's give and take like which one do you want do you want to be more recognized for the talent or do you want financial success and that's a Mm -hmm. that's an interesting teeter
1: and that's why I think I like him too, is he kind of doesn't care about the financial success. He's ra- he'd ra- rather make the art and like, you know, do it that way, which I respect a lot more than just selling out, right? Yes. So you yeah. you asked if there's anything he could do. And I think that if he were, that would be him selling out. Like it wouldn't be authentic to him because I think, you know, sure, maybe he could make the plot's a little bit easier for like everyone to grasp, or you know, have some kind of cliche in there, but it's just not him. So I don't think I think he's I think he's doing it right.
0: I like that. Stay stay true to you. It's like saying Christopher Nolan, you need to do a, ro- a romantic comedy. It's like no, like that's not no. who he is. You know, keep, mm-hmm. uh, keep doing what you're doing because it's working. If you're maybe in a different director, like Sam Raimi, for example, is known for Evil Dead. It's yeah. like, maybe continue doing those. That's what you're known for, you know? Yes, but, you know, totally. doing a drama. I just don't know if that's a Sam Raimi situation. No,
1: I heard the new one was good. Oh, and you know what? It just made me think of the Wes Anderson. You know the trend that was going huge on TikTok and Instagram? Yes. The Wes Anderson trend? I thought that was so cool one because it was like fun to see how everyone was doing it but two there were so many people that had no idea who Wes Anderson was so even though he didn't start that trend I just thought that that was such an interesting way for people to find out about him I had people in my DMs like which film should I start with because I just heard about Wes Anderson and I was like wait okay this is cool but I don't know if they liked the films that I recommended by him but like It was just interesting to see that more people were catching on to who he was and his vibe. So maybe that'll help this next movie do better. Who knows?
0: I mean, he did have... So it it was pre-released last week. It was like a limited release, and then it's fully coming out this week. And I guess with the pre-release, he had the biggest pre-release of his entire career. So I think the trend is working because... I mean, wow. you have the trend which everybody if you haven't seen it just look up Wes Anderson and you'll know it's like that subtle Wes Anderson music, the simple framing, like subtle movement in a frame. I do want to ask before we dive into what definitely works for Wes Anderson, which is cinematography, but have you seen the Star Wars AI Wes Anderson trailer? No. This is this I need is to wild. See it. Yeah, so somebody put together a trailer And it was a Star Wars trailer in the kind of the persona of Wes Anderson. And they did it completely through AI. And it's a really, really good trailer. But it's kind of scary because I don't know what that means for the future of cinema. (laughs) Because if you can make something like that... It, it, it just, it's kind of freaky. It's, I don't know. Maybe that don't check is it out. It's so I don't scary. Know.
1: <laughs> I've seen, I know AI really scares me for so many reasons, but you know, I have seen like the AI images. Someone did Harry Potter if it was Wes Anderson. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like cool, but yeah, creepy at the same time.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So cinematography, which I think whether you want to call it the cinematography, the framing, the colors, I feel like they all intertwine for Wes Anderson. And since we're on this topic, I do wanna ask, cause we I, I brought up some of my favorite top like cinematography films, you know, films that you're really known for. Do people view like just the, the word or the aspect, cinematography, is that more like an interior? Like do, do movies that have a cool maybe interior setup does that stand out cinematography, or is it more like the external, like maybe the like the outdoor scenes or the environmental scenes? Like what sticks out when it comes to cinematography, or is it just an intertwine of both?
1: That's interesting. I do. I think of it mostly from like a framing perspective. And I think of it like you could make any subject interesting, depending on how it's framed. So whether that is inside or outside, like I'm looking around my room right now, and it's really ugly because I haven't decorated. But there could be an interesting shot if I'm like looking at this bookcase really zoomed in out the window. So I just think of it as like whoever is deciding those Those shots, those angles, being able to work with whatever environment you have, that's what makes cinematography interesting and good, I think.
0: Rami, that was just film scripture right there. You can make (laughs) anything interesting depending on the framing. I fucking love that. All right. So great tip, by the way. Great tip. Are we moving closer or farther away from better cinematography? And the reason I ask this, I'll, I'll let you think because... I look at old movies, which I give a lot of props to Roger for suggesting from uh, without a mic, because he suggested a film called Rear Window. This is a 1954 Alfred Hitchcock, Jimmy Stewart film, and the cinematography is sublime. It's 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 eye-catching because of how simple but beautiful the framing is phenomenal. I think Wes Anderson has a little bit more of that classic framing where it's a little bit more stagnant. It's not as fluid. It doesn't feel like you're moving super swift. And I just, that made me think, like, are we moving actually closer to better cinematography? Or Are we, like, slowly moving farther away? What do you think?
1: I think for blockbuster-type films, I don't even, like, think that, I, I never walk away from, like, a big movie thinking, huh, that was really beautiful to look at. Or, like, you know, it just seems like they're doing the simple over-the-shoulder shots, blah, 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 like, what they know works and is easy and simple a lot of the times. Um So for those kind of films, I do feel like it's moving away from that style you just explained. I love older movies. I think they had to do a little bit more interesting things with their shots because they had to, right? Like yeah. they only had, but probably only like one shot to get something. So they had to make sure it was like artistically done. And yeah, I, I think that now it's just, easier and people can get away with doing less which is so unfortunate but at least we have Wes Anderson and and Dennis Villeneuve however you say his name I think he's,
0: yeah yeah Denis Villeneuve yeah he's great yeah
1: who yeah so like we have our we have our great cinematographer minds out there but it's becoming less common I think
0: Yeah. And I think you nailed it. I think people are trying to do less, which I get the whole efficiency. You're trying to make things simpler, maybe a little bit easier. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's like a stretch. But at the same time, I look at Jimmy Stewart acting for 15 minutes straight with no cut sequence. And I'm like, wow, like, how are you doing this? Because nowadays, even in one five minute scene, there's like 10 cuts because you're looking at different angles and -hmm. they're probably cutting and then reacting. It's just It's such a tough situation that it makes me think, are there those filmmakers who keep those fundamental elements? And I'll just start right there because you said Denis Villeneuve, which I put on my list. Mm -hmm. I just put Blade Runner 2049 Dune Arrival and then I put all Denis Villeneuve in caps because he is focused on cinematography. He's focused Mm -hmm. on the experience, the environment. I know they were in the, I believe it's the Middle East. That's where they filmed Dune because he wanted the sand. He wanted that environment rather... Than going on a sound stage on the Warner Brothers lot, because they easily could have done that. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna put Denis right up there at the top. I don't know, I don't have these in like order, but mm-hmm. I just think as a filmmaker, his films speak cinematography, even if they yep. have sci-fi aspects.
1: Yep, yep. I he was at the very top of mine too, and I wrote all of those movies as well. <laughs> oh. I just when I saw I think I was introduced to him via Blade Runner 2049. That's when I like was made aware of who he actually was and I was just blown away because such incredible shots and it didn't it didn't feel like fake even though there was so there was probably a lot of CGI in that movie but it just felt yep. real. And so again it goes back to me like that convincing element. I really appreciate filmmakers who don't overdo the CGI, don't work on a sound stage like they go there and then maybe they have to dress it up right but like oh that movie was stunning and now i want to see anything he does because i know it's going to exactly. be visually amazing
0: well and that comes to my mind when i watched dune i remember i was like this is a big scale movie like big big scale blockbuster type movie and it still feels real it feels practical like mm-hmm. even the explosions even the worm you know the sandworm which is yeah. huge yeah Every element of that film, and I'm sure there are little bits and pieces where you're like, oh, that's CGI or whatever, but it does truly feel authentic, and that speaks volumes. So, yes, Mm -hmm. Denise is very high on my list. Um, I did put – are you – do you watch Paul Thomas Anderson? Do you, do love. you like any of his films? Love, okay.
1: love, 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 love. And I recently watched Phantom Thread, which is oh, one of my yes. favorites.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Can we just can we take a, a silent moment real quick for Daniel Day-Lewis? Because so I don't think he gets enough love when it comes to the best actor conversation. But I know. He
1: doesn't. He's incredible. He, 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 is, he, he is convinces phenomenal. me every time.
0: Every time. Every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I the movie on my list was There Will Be Blood. But really, yes. Paul Thomas Anderson in general, but There Will Be Blood has the perfect balance. There are very few movies where I just watch it and I say every bit of element, like every film element in this works, whether it's mm-hmm. the acting, the cinematography, the direction, the storytelling, so patient, but the, the visuals were so real. Everything mm-hmm. was real. Even the the oil rig explosions, everything was real and it's not in your face like, oh, this is impressive. But that's what kind of made it impressive. That's what drew me into the film. So that is very much Paul Thomas Anderson because Phantom Thread is the same thing. It predominantly takes place in a house, like a Victorian style house, but it's beautiful. Every Mm -hmm. bit of the detail is beautiful. So maybe, I don't know if this is turning more into like a filmmaker and their group of films, but that is definitely one on my list.
1: Yeah, no, I actually, I, I listed mostly like, movies I guess and sometimes that's the director sometimes it's the cinematographer it's it's all a combination but another one that I put because I feel like there's different there's obviously tons of different styles and Denis and then Paul Thomas Anderson style um the other like style I guess I don't know if it's a style necessarily but one movie that really like made me think about how beautiful and amazing the cinematography was was 1917 just because it was that whole one shot yes. and I'd never seen Well, I guess Birdman also, but that style and to be convincing in that style, I think is so impressive. And to keep you engaged the entire time, even though it is one shot, like, I think that is so cool and it doesn't work every time someone tries to do it. But I think that those two movies, Birdman and 1917, really work with that.
0: So I haven't seen Birdman, but oh, you have to see it. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit mixed on Alejandro, the, the filmmaker. Because he okay. I mean he did Revenant, which mm-hmm. that is on my list because it's stunning. It's absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And so he's very authentic and I like that style. But then I also watched Bardo on Netflix, which came out last oh. year. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, This does not feel right at all. So yeah. I uh, Yeah, that's tough. I Birdman I gotta watch Nineteen Seventeen, what I really like is that they're they're like walking with this one person the entire so movie. It's insane. not just, like, one frame. It's, mm-hmm. like, literally walking through different elements of where they're at with one person. And Easy. I think there were technically, though it feels like one or two, I think there were technically yeah. 11 cuts. But mm-hmm. that's phenomenal, considering there's typically probably hundreds of different right. cut sequences in a movie. So 1970s is phenomenal. That's a great pick. I love the, the cinematography there. I also put... um and this is a very specific vibe, but I put Moonlight. Yeah. And Moonlight is Ooh, so good. It's very, like, it's potent. It has, like, a very potent saturation. I don't mm-hmm. know if you ever got to Rye Lane. It's this rom com on Mm-mm. Hulu. So it's like an hour and 26 minutes. It feels very similar. Very, okay. just vibrant saturation, but very authentic. Mm-hmm. And then it just, it's almost like a character. I think cinematography becomes a character. Just as much as the music does, or like Gotham in the Batman is a character you know, yeah. as many people think it is, that feels like a character in Moonlight or any of these movies we've listed. But I like that potency when you can saturate something but not overdo it to draw audiences away. Which, by the way, every movie that we're mentioning right now, I would highly recommend. So, yes, I mean I haven't seen Birdman, but I, fi- I it won the Oscar for Best Picture, so oh, I I'm forgot. assuming yeah. it's probably one to go see.
1: Yeah, it's definitely weird. The end, just to preface for our blockbuster loving people, the ending is like, what? <laughs> but, you know, it, it makes you think, so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Any other movies on your list?
1: Um, I also put, oh, Babylon and La La Land. I think Damien Thank Chazelle. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you. This was actually my last one, and I put them there both. There we go. I put Damien Chazelle, and I put yep. Babylon and La La Land. I will yes. say Whiplash? I don't think I'm a fan of that cinematography. I don't it think works, it's the
1: same. Yeah. But
0: I, I, it, it was not my style. Mm-hmm. Uh, First Man looks great. I just think it's a little bit forgettable. Mm-hmm. But La La Land and Babylon, great
1: picks. Very similar styles. I think I told you this. I don't know if we talked about it on the last podcast, but like when I watched Babylon, I didn't even know it was by Damien Chazelle. Like, but I was thinking while I was watching it, huh, this feels like La La Land. And then I looked, I'm like, oh it is because it's that similar. That. Yeah, similar style, but I I love I think he's great or whoever his cinematographer is.
0: Yeah. And and I think that's the best part about a director that you follow is they have a team that they mm-hmm. always work with. Like yep. Christopher Nolan always works with Hoyte van Hoytema who also did Nope. Um, he's you know, did Interstellar, he's done a ton of Christopher Nolan films. And he also did Her, which if, you know, Joaquin Phoenix, oh. it's a beautiful film. Wait, I love so, that
1: cinematography style as well. I yes, can't believe I forgot really, that. Really, really yeah.
0: good. Like, I mm-hmm. think as I've gotten to know a little bit, just, I don't know much, but as I've gotten to know a little bit about the cinematographers, he's the one I gravitate toward the most. Okay. Even in the weird sci-fi films, like, nope, there is a reveal in Nope that's a little bit extra. But yeah. apart from that, it's it's very satisfying. It's very kind of homegrown and then Damien Chazelle, I think, is one of those classic filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Even though he's like 33, he's super young. Um, it feels,
1: yeah, it feels like old Hollywood every time. Yes, it does yeah. feel
0: like old Hollywood. And I mm-hmm. I don't know. I, maybe I get a little bit nostalgic because I never lived in that time I frame. Know. And I wish I could. But, Same. <laughs> But yeah, we I, don't I, know. I feel like those were the, the top ones on my list. I did put Interstellar mm-hmm. just because, A, you know, I'm a Christopher Nolan fan. I put No yeah. Country for Old Men. I don't know if you ever got around to that one. Love,
1: but, love, yep. Yeah. All great um, films.
0: Any other, any other movies that we should mention on the cinematography? If you want something beautiful to watch, these are the movies that we're, we're suggesting.
1: Yeah, I think I had Portrait of a Lady on Fire because I love that movie. And the cinematography is also great. It captures like their emotions really well, which I think was the focus of it. Um, I also really, I'm trying to think of, a, like you know when there's just a certain style, you can tell who the director is? One of yeah. those other people is Yorgos Lanthimos. I need to learn how to pronounce people's names. But do you, are you familiar with him?
0: Is he lo- like lobster and then poor things coming out? Yeah. I've and- never seen his work. I've never seen it.
1: Okay. So I love his movie, The Favorite, with Emma Stone and Olivia Colman. Um, it's it's very interesting and weird, but like also stylistically very well done. So I would recommend that one. To start with maybe his movies are weird though. Like sometimes you leave them feeling very disturbed. (laughs) So
0: I mean, Olivia Coleman is low key. One of the best female actors today right now. Mm -hmm. Like she is top five on my, in yeah, in my list. You need to watch.
1: She's amazing in the favorite. She's so good.
0: Is it going to, is it going to make you sad if I said I've never seen portrait of a lady on fire?
1: No, but you also now you just have that on, you have that on your list as well.
0: This is what Ramy does. She comes on the podcast that we do, yep. whether it's a different podcast or this one. She mentions movies that I'm like, well, I have to go see them now, and then I'm going to cry exactly. myself to sleep because you like heavy movies and I, I like know. heavy movies. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah. All right, real quick. I know. I know we've been on for a while, uh, but I do want to touch on on critic scores real quick. Okay. Critic versus audience, I guess I should say. Do you do you gravitate toward one, like Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb? Do you respect one over the other?
1: I used to respect Rotten Tomatoes a lot more. Recently, I feel like their critic scores have been inflated. So I don't know. I used to be like, okay, the critic score is what I usually agree with. Not that it's going to like affect my rating, but I just tend to agree more with the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. But recently I've been looking at IMDb because I think that, you know, it's nice. They're not as inflated, I find. What about you?
0: I agree. Yeah, I, I definitely gravitate more toward IMDb strictly because even even the critic reviews on IMDb, though they're, you know, similar to the critic reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, I feel like there's a little bit more context. There's a little bit yeah. more context to just the, the one out of 100% scale, which to my understanding, I believe is simply a critic saying, go or don't go watch this movie. And so they just kind of take a, like a percentage and yeah. base it off of that. It's not based on like a – they actually rate 80 out of 100 or 90 out of 100 which mm-hmm. maybe i wish they did uh, maybe that would give it a little bit more context because some movies get the harsh end of the stick when it comes to i know to the you're
1: right it's sport. either fresh or not and then that's what yep. affects the score which is yeah it's interesting and i also feel like it's such a marketing thing now where it's like 85% fresh and so like that's what makes it feel less authentic to me all of a sudden is because it's now used for marketing purposes the other thing I use a lot is, like, Letterboxd, and I just follow people who I trust, great. like Cinema Joe and you, or, like, other film reviewers on mm-hmm. social. And I'm like, oh, I like Spencer's Taste, so I'll probably like this movie, you know? That's kind of the way I've gone about it now.
0: What a great plug for Letterboxd, because they're overlooked. I think Letterbox mm-hmm. is great. I think it's a great social media meets IMDb, you know? I think yeah. I think it's a great, like just binding of the two areas that you'd see in movies. You know, you want a platform that's trustworthy, but you also want people that you can follow, not just random critics that you've never talked to once in your life. You know, Mm -hmm. is there, is there a movie that you wish you didn't see the reviews for going into it?
1: Ooh, definitely. Because I do. Okay. Let's think. I'm going to try (laughs) to, this is hard on the spot.
0: This is also, yeah, this is on the spot. So if it's,
1: it does affect me though and I know we mentioned that earlier like if I see something has a really high I this happened to me recently I saw the movie had like 95% and I was like mm, that oh my gosh what was the movie D- has it happened to you I'll try to think of what the movie was but Yeah yeah, but yeah. I,
0: I do have a, a recent example mm-hmm. and it's it's not necessarily Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb but it was more like context of what people said about the movie that I saw before going in. Okay. And that was The Flash. So The Flash, James Gunn, co CEO of DC, who also is the filmmaker behind Guardians of the Galaxy, which if you haven't seen Volume 3, I highly recommend it. I think it's one of the better superhero films we've had. But he said blatantly that The Flash is the best superhero movie he's ever seen. And I and I was like, whoa, you made three superhero four actually because he made the Suicide Squad and i'm like you've made four superhero films so that did linger in my mind a little bit i was like oh man it's got to be it's got to be halfway decent and then tom cruise got a pre-screening and then he called the director and chatted with them for 15 minutes and just praised them for it so i'm like still trying to be neutral but you have that in the back of your mind so you you can't escape it it's really hard mm-hmm. and then i went and saw the movie and in my mind it's about like a 6.7 out of 10 it's still enjoyable to a certain degree but far from best, best superhero movies ever. Yeah. Right.
1: What is? What do you think is the best? Dark Knight.
0: <laughs> oh, what a great question. Um, Dark Knight would be up there. I'm just gonna give like top top tier. Dark Knight, Spider Man into and across the Spider Verse. I will be honest. I yes, think those two films so are good. just phenomenal. And then Infinity War. I think those are the only ones that truly stand out to me. And honestly, maybe I would stay. I just say the Dark Knight into the Spider Verse. In Infinity War. I think there are some really, really, really good superhero films. But on the level of like, wow, that is one of the great films that I've seen. I think those three.
1: Yeah, I I agree. That's those would be like my top top tier ones as well. I'm so annoyed because I totally watched a movie recently that had a 90%. And I remember specifically saying, uh, that felt more like a 70% but I can't <laughs> I can't remember what it was but it happens all the time and I also think here's an example I can think of there's movies that get like 30% or like yeah you know and I'm I'm like why I love that movie The Holiday is an example like corny rom-com but like so fun and it definitely isn't a 30% so it goes both ways
0: okay you ready for this I have a list of notable movies that are rotten. <gasps> I want you to tell me if these are overrated, underrated, perfectly rated. Oh, okay? this is
1: perfect. Okay.
0: Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. So we have, I believe this is a 1991 film, Hook. So the Peter Pan, um, Robin Williams film, 29% Rotten Tomatoes.
1: What? Wait, okay, <laughs> but maybe because that was like a childhood classic, maybe I need to revisit it. But I love that movie.
0: I'm going to be blatant with you. This is my favorite Disney live action adaptation. And it's not an official <laughs> adaptation. This is my favorite Disney right. adaptation. This is one of the better Disney movies I've ever seen. So 29% overrated, underrated. How are you feeling?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, okay. So I think I think that's... Underrated by far. Yeah, like you'd that, say
0: underrated, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah,
1: absolutely. That's shocking.
0: Disrespectful, honestly. Twenty nine percent. Like, at, they least, need to at least give that. it fifty. Like, at least give it fifty. Come on, now. Right. All right. So, all right. I'm actually. Get, I'm gonna note this. I want to. I want to note like under. Okay. So next one on my list. This has a fifty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and that is the Greatest Showman with Hugh Jackman.
1: Oh, really? I feel like people loved that movie, but that okay. That's the critic score. Um, this is
0: critic score. Yes, yeah.
1: Mm, I didn't love it. I, but okay. you know, I'm not like. I, I don't know if I like that t- typical vibe of a movie, but it was a good plane movie. I watched it on a plane, so it was very enjoyable nice. for a plane movie. I would give it maybe like a seventy percent rather than a fifty something.
0: I feel the same way. I think mm-hmm. I'm like an uh, like a low seventies. It's enjoyable. I think it's fun. Yeah, um, it's a little bit. It's a little bit saturated. You know, you can notice the green screens and whatnot, but. 56? I mean, this is represented as one of the more enjoyable musicals. Exactly. Did you ever see the movie Brother Bear?
1: Oh, of course, but not since I was like 10. What is it rated? (laughs)
0: No, this is hard because I also watched it when I was younger, but I remember loving it when I watched it when I was younger. Um, 37% on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: What? Wait, that's the one where the bear like gets the powers, or like the kid yeah. turns into the bear. The kid oh, yeah, turns into
0: the bear. Yeah. I love. I
1: loved that movie as a kid too. Like, I think I would have given that like a 90 percent. But I, let's go. Maybe 80, we need 90? to. We let's need to go. revisit.
0: I love it. Okay. All right. So we have three under so far. So three underrated. We have no perfect or overrated so far. So that's good. Okay. Uh, next on my list is Young Christian Bale. Newsies. Did you ever see this one?
1: No, I saw the play on Broadway though. Have you seen that okay.
0: one? Okay. I have seen this one. I have never seen the play on Broadway. So this will be interesting. Because let me just ask before, did you enjoy the play? I did. Is it I one did. That you would revisit?
1: I did. But the Jonas Brothers were the stars in it. So it might have had something to do with that.
0: <laughs> were they really? Is this it, was, was this on Broadway?
1: Yeah. This was like years ago, like maybe 10 years ago now. Yeah.
0: The Jonas Brothers were in Newsies? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was great, that
0: but is news to me. There's your movie news for the day. <laughs> yeah. Is the Jonas Bro- your theater news, I guess I should say. Yeah. Okay. Uh this has a 39%. So, I don't know uh I personally enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I think Christian Bale is a great young actor, but
1: Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Okay.
0: Uh She's the Man with <gasps> Amanda Bynes? I
1: just recently <laughs> watched this and let me just say, if thi- this is Rotten, they rated this Rotten? <laughs>
0: Let me get your Rotten Tomatoes score. Let me just get... You give me a rough score of what you think it is.
1: Okay. Well, here's the thing. Is it a cinematic masterpiece? Absolutely not. Is it really corny? No. Yes. Yeah. But is it so much fun? Yes. So...
0: Absolutely.
1: I mean, I'm going to give it like at least a 75, 70. Like, it, right. Like, it's it's a rewatchable film, though. That's It's kind of like one of those that it you can rewatch, watchable. have Very so much fun. Very rewatchable. Yeah. Wow, what did they give it? This is
0: this is forty three percent.
1: See, this is what I'm saying. They, they, Rotten Tomatoes has changed now. I feel like if *She's the Man* came out now, they would correctly rate it. But back then, they were like a little bit more pretentious. I don't know.
0: That's a good point. I wonder if there has been a transition in like, well, we have to rate these according to the standards of, yeah. you know, I don't know *Casablanca* or *Singing in the Rain*. Like I think really so. Classic films. That is that's a good point. Okay jumanji the original with robin williams
1: that's rotten oh my gosh okay well i also loved that movie wasn't scar (laughs) joe young scarlett johansson in that movie uh
0: young kirsten dunst oh kirsten dunst yeah Yeah. kirsten dunst yeah young kirsten dunst this had a 54 percent
1: wow wow Uh, i again i think i would have given that at least high 70s like yeah
0: jumanji's great and i think it set a foundation for new films to come out. So totally. you can't really do that if you're a rotten film. Uh A Night's Tale with Heath Ledger. Did you ever see that?
1: <gasps> love a Night's Tale. What? That's rotten? I actually just recently watched that because Cinema Joe was talking about how much he loved it. And so I was like, oh I need to watch it. So good. So fun. I love, so fun. Love Heath Ledger too though. He can't do wrong in my eyes. So I give that an 80%. Yeah
0: and if you only know Heath Ledger as the Joker, you know, if that's what comes to your mind first. You need he to was see him as more in of this. a comedian actor before he was this super well-oriented drama actor. And this is a good film to visit. So this had 59%. I'm pretty
1: sure I cried at that film. Like when he has the moment with his dad, I'm pretty sure I teared up. So like, that's a good film in my book.
0: (laughs) There you go. Raimi cried. It is not a 59%. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, The the Sandlot at 65%.
1: A classic movie like The Sandlot is rotten. I
0: will say this one does feel... I will say, a little bit closer to the, does. the perfectly rated. I still mm-hmm. think it's nowhere near, like, it's not lower than that. That's for sure, in my no. book. No, correct. But I think it's right around that high 60s, low 70s range. Yeah, though.
1: no, I agree. What, what did you say it was, 63?
0: It's 65.
1: 65, okay, yeah. I think it's, yeah, you're right. It's close. Okay.
0: Uh, Step Brothers. would you rank this as one of the better comedies of all time? Or just <gasps> not, hey...
1: I love Step Brothers. I just always have. I mean, I grew up with Step Brothers, so it probably... And I just watched it with them, like, nonstop. I can probably quote that movie. But I know it's a very niche, specific type of humor that does not work in movies now. Like, I don't think that movie would work if it came out now. Um, But what was it rated? Because I rate it, like, 90% because I love it.
0: (laughs) It's 55. But I do think this is regarded as one of the best comedies of all time, you know, it's a Raj comedy. You made you made a great point. I think similar to the office, similar to these really cutthroat, like comedic shows or movies. I just don't think they could be made now, but I still think that that's a little bit blasphemous.
1: Okay. I I was going to say, I also wonder how, you know, maybe like this next generation of teenagers would view that movie. Like if they would even like it, I'm curious about that too. I don't know.
0: Maybe we should do a poll, like Gen Z only, or like if you're under yeah. 18, that would be, I don't know. I don't know if that would work. But I think that would be interesting, be interesting. to understand what is the demographic vibe? Is this only for people 25 and older, twenty and one and mm-hmm. older? I don't know. So Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Did you see this one?
1: Oh, yeah. I actually, that movie is filmed a lot in Iceland because he goes there in the movie. And so I like it, especially because there's the element of travel and I remember seeing that movie and want, being inspired to like do more with my life. It's a little corny. What was it rated?
0: Fifty two.
1: Okay, I feel like that's low though. I would yeah. maybe rate it and like I- high sixties for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you you mentioned that it's corny that it inspired you to live your life. I think that's the purpose of this movie. But you're it right. definitely makes you it makes you mm-hmm. rethink, wow, am I doing what I want to be doing? Is this the purpose of why I'm yeah. here? Like it really does implant that into your mind. So I think it's a really enjoyable movie. Probably mid-70s for me. So. Yeah. All right, last two. Uh, Man of Steel, Henry Cavill introduction as Superman.
1: Mm, I forgot about this movie, actually. So I don't know what that says about what I think the score should be, but <laughs> it felt forgettable to me. I don't know. What was it? Okay,
0: this, this might be more perfectly aligned for you then. So this is 56%.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. I have to watch it again, maybe. What do you think?
0: I did just watch this on Sunday. Oh, okay. You have a fresh perspective. It it refreshed my mind. I will say this is one of the best... This is probably Zack Snyder's best work that he's done in the... I don't know if you want to call it the DC world. But he also did the the Justice League, which he kind of remade. I thought it was enjoyable. But once again... On a superhero standard to Joker or the Batman or the Dark Knight series, Mm -hmm. I just don't think it fits. So I think it's probably in the 70s, but I don't think it's that low. But I think a lot of people would agree that it is that low. So maybe that's kind of perfect, yeah, perfect under a little bit. All right, last one. Just because there were probably 90% of this film, it's a sequel, in my opinion, is better than the first film. And then there was the last little bit that I was like, ah, okay. But this is Home Alone Two: Lost in New York. Uh, did you ever get around to this?
1: Mm, of course, childhood <laughs> classic. I definitely like the first one better. But wait, so how much? How much was this one?
0: Thirty-five percent.
1: Okay, that is way too low, though. I'm sorry. <laughs> These are well, see, like this is what I'm saying. I think if people revisited, if the critics revisited this from the lens of like this is a Hollywood classic that people watch every single year like i watch home alone every single year it's so enjoyable to watch yep um i i i think this is gonna be at least in the set high 70s for me the first one i think is pretty
0: perfect first one's a classic yeah first one's a classic i mean at least Mm -hmm. give this a 50 like at least a 50 35 is just disrespectful come on that is that is
1: disrespect disrespect
0: (laughs) Yeah. So that that was the list I had. Any other movies? I will say I think Interstellar just barely like two or three weeks ago, Rotten Tomatoes actually moved it from Rotten to not being Rotten because I mean in my mind, Interstellar is one of the great movies I've seen personally. So I don't know what critics were having shocked. a problem with. But that's where See, I'm, that's, a, I'm just a little uneasy. I'm a little uneasy with Rotten Tomatoes.
1: That's what I'm saying though is that sometimes I let the score affect if I'm going to watch it or not. If I had let that score affect whether I'd watched Interstellar or not, that is not okay. So I this this has inspired me to really not look at the scores and just you know just watch it and make up my own mind because that is crazy that Interstellar was rotten. What? Right?
0: Right? Yes. So. <laughs> We have it. We have a lot of context here for the listener. We have a lot of Wes Anderson. We have cinematography. So we have movies. We have movies that you should go see. And then we also gave a little taste of classics that are maybe comedic. They're funny or just kind of like these movies that are feel good that shouldn't be rotten but they're listed as rotten. So I do have one last question before I let you go. Um, what is a movie, whether it's streaming or it's in theaters? That people should be running to go see. Like they should be either running to theaters or they should be running to their couch. They should be planning a date night or a movie night, and they just need to go watch this movie.
1: Oh wow, Spencer! Do you have an answer for? Th- <laughs> do you have an answer for this too? Because I need to wrap my mind around. I do. This. I do. Okay, I have what one is That's yours? been
0: stuck in my mind for two weeks now, and it just fascinated me so much. It's called Sanctuary. It stars Margaret Qualley and it's it's a very stationary film. There's two people pretty much in the entire film. And I describe this, and I know this sounds weird to anybody listening, but it's it's like a non erotically erotic film. Like it's a Ooh. very like like personalized it it touches a lot of like important gender role topics. But it's so fascinating. It's incredibly intense. Margaret Qualley's incredible. I think she's she's one of the next movie stars. Like when you think of the definition, yeah, of yeah, she's star- great. She's really good, and for anybody who doesn't know who Margaret Qualley is, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, she was the girl who essentially was, she was kind of a, you know, quote-unquote hippie dancing on the corner, trying to get Brad Pitt's attention, and so that, if you think her, that's who's the lead in this film, and she's phenomenal. So I would say Sanctuary. I don't know if it's playing in theaters anymore. It was a small release, but I assume it's going to be out on, uh, like, streaming pretty soon.
1: Okay, I love that. I... Wait, okay, so it's on streaming soon. I'm definitely going to watch that. I love her. She was also in that Netflix series Made, which was like heart-wrenching, oh. but she's really amazing in that as well. So should check that out. Okay, my answer... And made. I have a soft spot for foreign films. I don't know if we've talked about that before, but... I don't is, think we have. Oh, okay. So maybe next podcast. Um, But I one that I constantly am thinking about ever since I saw it last year that I think... It's a little sad theme of my favorite movies, but I think everyone should watch The Worst Person in the World. Have you seen this movie?
0: I have not. This is very 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 high on my watch list. Okay. I've heard nothing, nothing but great things about this movie.
1: Okay, so I think it's one of the most well done like dialogue that I've seen in a film in so long, which is funny because it's in like Norwegian, but like obviously yeah. I'm, re- I'm reading the subtitles but it felt so authentic. There's so many like themes about life in this movie that I think any audience could take away from and it would change their perspective a lot about love, relationships, finding yourself, like what you should be doing in the world. I just think that people will get a lot out of it. It makes you feel a lot like I I definitely cried, but like I also laughed. It's like it's a good time and it also gives you a lot of perspective that I think the world could use more of. So I'm gonna say that one so that's your mission
0: <laughs> I think I'm gonna see that this week yeah I'm not kidding you I this has been so high on my watch list this is actually how there will be blood this was so high on my watch list that I was just like one day I was like I'm just gonna it's watch almost this like movie. you
1: gotta resist it and then you're like no I just need to do it
0: yeah exactly you you resist a little bit mm-hmm. it builds the temptation now the chase is there and now you want the movie even more yeah. so I actually feel that way worst person in the world sanctuary two films i think everybody should check out as soon as possible but this has been great thank you genuinely for coming on is there anything else any thoughts feedback notes anything that you have on your mind
1: I think this was so much fun. I have a new list of movies. You have a new list of movies to watch now. Like I now I just want to go watch a movie, but I have to edit a podcast myself. So yay to (laughs) that. That's how it
0: works. That's called Uh being busy in the life of a living in Los Angeles media. I feel like that's that's what it takes. But you Mm -hmm. are it's awesome. It's really cool seeing just like your social pages, and I know you can only take so much out of somebody's social life on social media, I should say. But it's really cool. So I would definitely say check out Ramey, uh Check out her page. And then also, if you feel a certain way about cinematography, critic scores, Wes Anderson, let us know. I just appreciate anybody listening. So until next time, peace.